0: mighty God you're so holy you are beyond our imagination you're beyond all boundary God right now we want to present our hearts to you God we pray and ask that you would search us deeply down deep in our heart God you know that you say that you are everywhere and you know every thought so God for everything and anything God that is a distraction to us right now, God. Any barrier, any sin, we just lay it down. And we invite you, God, with your piercing gaze, with your ever overwhelming presence, God, that you remove every barrier, God. You help us just to lay ourselves bare before you in this time so that we could worship you with a pure heart, God. That's our desire. We ask that in faith. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So if um, someone were to ask you, where is God, what would you answer them? Would you say, you know, God's in heaven, or God is in my heart, or maybe God's in nature. Where is God? That's right. You know, there was a grandmother who uh, had a four-year-old granddaughter named Amanda, quite a precocious little girl, and she had to take her to the doctor because she was having a fever fever. So she took her to the doctor and the doctor looked into Amanda's ears and peered in there and she said, well, who's in there, Donald Duck? (laughs) And Amanda said, no. And then the doctor looked up into her nose and said, well, who's in there, Mickey Mouse? And Amanda said, no. (laughs) Finally, the doctor took his stethoscope and placed it on her heart and he said, well, who's in there, Barney? And Amanda said, no. Jesus is in my heart. Barney's on my underwears. (laughs) You know, throughout the ages, people have been searching and hunting for God, looking here, looking there. They've turned to religions. They've turned to philosophies. They've turned to different ways of life. Some would say that God's hard to find. Some would say that they found God. Others, well, they just don't care. And some are sort of hiding out from God hoping he doesn't find them. But the question remains, where is God? Well, God wants us to know where he is. He wants us to know who he is. And he gave us this great book with his words so that we could discover, again, who he is and where he is. And he tells us that he's everywhere. Everywhere. It's a term that we call his omnipresence. Omni meaning all, everywhere, everywhere presence. And that's the first thing you can fill in your outline there. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. See, God's omnipresence is very difficult for us to understand because it's one of the ways that God's different than us. It's one of his attributes that make him wholly other entirely. You know, we can't be two places at once. Oftentimes, I think it would be fun to do that, right? You know, like Bahamas. (laughs) That would be awesome, but uh, we can't do that, right? And so we ask ourselves, how is this even possible that God could be everywhere? So as I was studying this week for this message, I ran across a website called Evidence for God. And on the website, a gentleman named Rich Deem wrote this interesting article. Now, I don't agree with all of his conclusions necessarily and all of, his, all of the website, but I love this part. I think this is so helpful for us. So... Put your thinking caps on here. Some of you scientist type people are going to love this. Here we go. This is what he says. He says, there is much evidence from both the Bible and from science that demonstrates that God must exist and operate in dimensions of space and time other than those to which we're confined. Okay. God could not have created the universe if he were only a part of it. I think that makes sense. The Bible says the universe cannot contain him. According to particle physics and relativity, at least 10 dimensions of space existed at the creation of the universe. Three of these dimensions, plus time, form the space-time manifold that we can directly observe. (laughs) All right. The other six of these dimensions exist within the universe as incredibly compact dimensions of space. God must be able to operate in all of these 10 dimensions, plus more, in order to have created the universe. And the Bible suggests, indeed, that God did create the universe out of dimensions of space and time, which are not visible to us. In fact, Hebrews 11.3 says that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, A being which exists in dimensions beyond our three spatial dimensions would be invisible to creatures like us who can only exist in the confines of our universe. Now, he goes on to give an example of this, which I think is very helpful, and it kind of brings it down to where I can understand it. See, so we live in three dimensions, right? Right? And what if we were to peer into and make an observation of a universe that was only two dimensions, dimensions less than us? See, in a two-dimensional universe, we have height and width, but no depth. That would be the third dimension. And so as we look into a two-dimensional world, it's a flat plane. That's all it is. It's a flat plane. So say we've got two beings that exist in this two-dimensional universe, Mr. and Mrs. Flat. There they are. Aren't they cute? (laughs) Now... As we observe this beautiful couple from our third dimension, why we can see things in- incredibly different than they can from just their own two dimensions. For example, Mr. Flat, when he looks over at Mrs. Flat, what does he see? He sees a line, right? He doesn't see the depth, he just sees a line. Matter of fact, he can travel all the way around her and all he will see is a line. And that's unfortunate because she's quite striking. <laughs> just like the edge of a piece of paper, all they see is a line. All right. Now, again, as I said, we can be present here looking uh, from our third dimension of depth and we can observe them and they would never even know that we're there unless we were to break into that plane that they exist on. Does that make sense? So we can be ever present. Matter of fact, we can see their entire shape. We can even see inside them Mr. Flat could never look inside Mrs. Flat unless he were to cut her open, which could probably lead to a very terrible paper cut. <laughs> and so you see, from this other dimension, God, God's omnipresence, therefore, the fact that he lives in multiple dimensions, which is hard to understand and comprehend, helps us understand how he lives outside the laws of physics and natural science that we understand in our universe, how he can be entirely present and even yet invisible and all around us, beyond the boundaries of even time and space as we understand it. See, God is infinite. He's beyond measure. He's beyond all things, past, present, future. He's the author and creator of everything. He is almighty God. And you see, it's that characteristic of God and many more that helps me begin to understand the phrase when the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, and there are some ways that if we really begin to comprehend the idea that God is present everywhere, always, there's sort of this sense of both terror and comfort that come from that in me. I don't know about you. And here's what I honestly believe. I believe this, that if we were to begin to dwell on and understand and meditate upon and embrace this idea of God's omnipresence, that it could really truly transform our lives. And so I want to kind of look at ways that we can make this very practical. So we're going to talk about what does God's omnipresence mean to me? All right. And so here's the first point on the outline, and that's this, that when I'm afraid, God is my security. The fact that he's everywhere can help us to be very secure So last week, um, Pastor John began the first six verses of Psalm 139, which is just beautiful because in this Psalm, David just describes God's amazing character. So I want to carry on from where he started and start with verse seven through the end of the chapter. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Psalm 139. That's where the majority of our verses are going to be. If you don't have a Bible with you, those will be up on the screen. And we'll invite you, if you don't have a Bible at home, Grab one from the lobby because we really want you to have a Bible at home. God's word is so transformational in our lives. All right. So we're going to look at Psalm 139 and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. And they say this. It says, I can never escape from your spirit, David speaking. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. See, David, if you remember David, he wrote this psalm after being pursued by Saul that wanted to kill him. It was after his moral failure. It was after his own son had tried to usurp his throne. David was under pressure. It was times of incredible and intense fear. And what he's telling us is that God can be our comfort in times of fear. You see, God's presence comforts me. God's presence comforts me. Knowing that God is with me at all times, it gives me a sense of security and peace, having Almighty God on my side. Psalm 16, 8 and 9 says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he's right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice and my body rests in safety. So even in trials and testing, in life's toughest Moments in times when we're overwhelmed, God is present and He's there and He's with us. Isaiah 43 2 says, When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And I love what David wrote in Psalm 23 when he said, That even though I walk through the valley, of death, you are with me. You see, even in our most tender and vulnerable moments, God walks with us in that transition from this life to the next, and that is very comforting to me. Oswald, Oswald Chambers, whom I love, I, I, I read a devotional by him every day, says this He says, The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. All right, so our next point is this. When I'm alone, God is my companion. God is my companion. There are times when we're alone. I mean, sometimes literally, we're just by ourselves. We're alone. Or maybe even we're around other people, and yet we still feel disconnected and isolated, and David points to this beautiful word picture about how, be, of, this idea of being far away, like the rays of the sun reaching out to the far ends of the, of the earth, or like being adrift, far adrift at sea, and he says this in verses 9 and 10, David says, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. Your strength will support me. God understands our loneliness. And he wants us to know that even when we feel the sting and pain of being alone, that he's with us. And that we're never alone when he's there. And even when we feel isolated and the pain of that, he's there and he's there to help us and to guide us and to support us. See, God's presence supports me. God's presence supports me. You know, I think most of us have experienced times when we felt that God wasn't with us. You know, sometimes it's in the most deepest, most difficult times that God just feels like he's not there. And I've had many times like this. These are the times that stretch my faith the most. And yet, I read something this week that I thought was really interesting about God's presence. And there was an author that I read, and he made this observation that in the 40 days between when Jesus... Resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven, he was not always physically present with the disciples. Did you have you ever noticed this? This was like a light bulb that went off on my head. It says that Jesus would all of a sudden appear and he'd be with them for a while, and then all of a sudden he'd be gone. And then he'd pop in a little bit later. And then he made a real specific point to let them know that he'd heard every conversation they had when he was gone. You It was like when Thomas was there, do you remember? And then he kind of almost kids Thomas when all of a sudden he appears and he's kind of kidding Thomas about the fact that he didn't trust and believe in him. And it was like Jesus was slowly weaning them off of his presence and training them, to the fact that even though he wasn't physically present with them, he was always there, ever present. And even in his last words, you know, as he went off and and gave the great commission, at the very end, he says, he assured them, I am with you always. I think God does that for us as well. You know, even in those darkest, deepest times that I can remember when, I, I remember, you know, there was a period of time when we had... I, it, you know, sometimes when it just rolls one thing after another, after another, after another, and you're wondering, what's next? And yet there were these little moments of grace, some unexplainable circumstance that just whispered, I'm here, I care, and I love you. Hebrews 13.5 says, for God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. You know, sometimes we really have to sense that something is missing before we go searching for it. All right, next point is when I am hiding, God is my light. When I'm hiding, God is my light. Now, when I mentioned before, um, remember, there's a sense in which God's omnipresence is, 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 one, somewhat disturbing and troubling and at the same time incredibly comforting as well. And when we're in sin and feeling ashamed, we tend to hide from god right and when we hide from god we tend to hide in very dark places we hide in strongholds and addictions and self destructive behavior but even when we hide god sees and his desire is to bring light into those dark places it says this in verses 11 and 12 <clears throat> I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. <laughs> you know, when my uh, girls were little, you know, little ones when we first moved here, they used to love to play hide and seek. That was their favorite game. They would want to play hide and seek all the time. And so I would sit there and I'd close my eyes and count to 30 and then you open your eyes and go searching, and like right away, there on the couch, you know, under a little blanket, was this little blob, like a little ghost, <laughs> just sitting there. Not a very good hiding place, but you know, but to a little kid, they honestly believe that if they can't see you, you can't see them, right? I mean, that's, that's what they're thinking. And I think we play games like that with God. That we just think God's not going to see us. We pretend that He's not there, but He sees into even the darkest places where we're hiding. And honestly, he wants so much to bring his healing light to show us a better way. And so when I'm hiding, God's presence heals me. God's presence heals me. Just being in God's presence heals us, but denying his presence leaves us in darkness and uh, there's a you know there's a certain arrogance that we have about ourselves when we just kind of think well God doesn't exist or you know God doesn't really see what I'm doing or His presence doesn't really matter God is always present whether we believe it or not you know um, back in the early days of the, the space program I don't know you may have remembered this but there was a Russian cosmonaut who went up into orbit and orbited around the Earth one of the very first space exploration things. And he's up there. And when he came back, he said, you know, when I was up there in my space capsule, I looked around and I didn't see God anywhere. <laughs> and there's this really clever pastor, C.A. Criswell, you know, pastor in in Dallas. And he said this, well, let him take off his space, suits for, space suit for just a second. He'll see God soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so I can't see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? You see, sin disintegrates integration, disintegrates the soul. It pulls it apart. It's kind of like two opposing magnets. You ever try to put two opposing magnets together? Sin pushes us away from God. But you know what's interesting about a magnet is if you turn it around they instantly cling and bond to one another. And that's exactly what repentance is. You see, it's turning away from sin and turning toward God. That's what repentance is. And it's, what's astounding to me about this and about, uh, it's astounding to me about God from my own personal story is that even when I failed to turn around, even when my heart was dead set against God, that was the moment when I was running the other direction that God pursued me. You see, God is a God of grace. Yes, he's a God of justice, but he's also a God of love and a God of loving kindness. From the very beginning in his dealings with mankind, do you remember this? When man, Adam and Eve were in the garden in Genesis 3, it tells us, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, after they'd sinned, they heard God walking around and immediately they went and hid themselves from the Lord among the trees. And God called them. Where are you? (laughs) It's like hide and seek. Where are you? Jesus told this really neat story about a prodigal son who (laughs) had the guts to go up to his dad and demand his inheritance. Before his father even passed away, everything his father had sacrificed for him. And the father gave his son everything. The son grabbed it, turned his back on his father and marched into a life and squandered everything on wine and women and sinful, selfish desires. And then it came to the point where those things just didn't satisfy anymore. And the young man wanted so much to go back to his father, but he wasn't quite sure if the father would accept him. You know, there's a beautiful story, a song that, uh, I really like called When God Ran. And I want you to watch this video because I really think it helps describe the heart of this story. Let's watch.
1: Put me in his arms, my head do his chest, Said, "My son." My son has come home again, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice. He said, Son, do you know I still love you?
0: You know, um, if you're hiding from God, God sees you. And as big as we've talked about that God is, as much as he knows, one of the characteristics that it's very clear he wants you to realize is that just as big is his love for you. His love for you. And he's waiting for you with open arms. Next point. When I'm discouraged, God is my hope. God is my hope. You know, many of the great Bible heroes of the Bible, the people that we really, really love, if you really think about it, they came through times of incredible pain and trial and oftentimes deep discouragement. And yet through all of those times, it is very evident that God was with them in their most difficult hours. You see, these tried and true saints, heroes of faith, often reflected back with deep gratitude as to how God brought them through when there was no other way when they were at the end of their rope. And David is a great example of that. And so in these next couple verses, he expresses how God was so intimately present with him in his most intimate moments in every moment, single moment of his life. Verse 13 says this through 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Before a single day. It doesn't take long for us to realize that we have very little control over life, right? Right? life can be overwhelming. It can be oftentimes very discouraging, you know, when things don't go our way and it just seems like nothing's going to change and we just get discouraged and feel lost. And yet when I am weak, God understands me and he is strong. And so God's presence strengthens me. It strengthens me. And as I reflect on some of those deep, dark moments of my own, when I was so broken or had gone through deep heartache and tragedy, there was at times just moments of, of, I can't even explain it, but just this heavenly peace and presence beyond any comprehension like the Bible says, and it's kind of like you just sense that God is there, and it's just the most intimate time, more than any other time of my life, where it's just you just sensed he was there. I had times when, when people are just praying, and, and I can only explain it as almost just this warm embrace. Of God's love, Psalm thirty-four, eighteen says, "The Lord is close to the brokenhearted; He rescues those whose spirits are crushed." God's with us in times of discouragement and pain. He's there to comfort, guide, support us. <coughs> Do you remember the the, the poem "Footprints"? You had a poster of that a long time. Some of you, maybe you're not all familiar with it, but it's kind of it, it tells the story about a. a someone that had walked with God and footprints in the sand. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the moral of it all at the end is that sometimes it's not until the very end of the journey when we look back and we, and we think those times that 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 God had left us and he wasn't there, that it was during those times that he carried us. And that's why there was only one set of footprints there. See, there's always that God's presence blesses us. And I think that from all of these blessings... You know, there's two things that that come up within us, two responses of our heart. The first one is that I praise God. I praise God when we consider all his blessings, his presence with us in every moment, moment, in every circumstance. There's a lot to be grateful for. And the Bible even tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so praises and gratitude are one of the fastest ways into God's presence. And we see David's heart erupt with praise in verses 17 and 18. He says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. And they outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. And then last, when our heart is filled with gratitude toward God, I honestly believe that our desires change. That our love for God compels us to want to please him and honor him. And to align our lives with his. And so the last point here is that I invite God to purify me. To purify me. David closes this psalm with an invitation for God to search him. He wants God to find anything that might be offensive. His tender, submissive spirit desires that God would lead and guide his every step. And he says this in verse 23 and 24. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's almost like David is so overwhelmed with God's omnipresence that he just wants to be absorbed by it. That it might just pierce through his entire body, mind, and soul. And he's asking God to lead and guide his every step. I want to close with this poem that Isaac Watts wrote. It became an old hymn, a great hymn called, Lord, Thou hast searched and seen me through. And it describes this psalm in such a beautiful way. And this psalm or this uh, hymn just does that to me. It pierces through my heart. He says this, Lord, Thou hast searched and seen me through. Thine eye commands with piercing view. My rising and my resting hours, my heart and flesh with all their powers. My thoughts, before they are my own, are to my God distinctly known. He knows the words I mean to speak, ere from my opening lips they break. Within thy circling power I stand, on every side I find thy hand. Awake, asleep, at home, abroad, I am surrounded still with God. If up to heaven I take my flight, tis there thou dwellst in, enthroned in light. Or dive to hell. Their vengeance reigns and Satan groans beneath thy chains. The veil of night is no disguise, no screen from thy all-searching eyes. Thy hand concedes thy foes as soon, through midnight shades as blazing noon. O may these thoughts possess my breast, where'er I rove, wherever I rest. Nor let my weaker passions dare, consent to sin for God is there God is with us both now and forever my sincere hope and prayer is that this will bring such incredible comfort and care and courage to your life let's pray oh awesome almighty God creator of all things (laughs) loving father Redeeming Son, comforting Holy Spirit. Just grateful. We're just grateful. We thank you for your presence in our life, for your goodness, your your grace. God, you're so big and yet so small to dwell within our heart and lives. And we're just thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.